Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a very familiar biblical account in John, John chapter 18, and we're kind of launching a a new series that I'm going to be into. We've come off of 21 days of prayer, and I know today is Baptism Sunday, and so we're kind of in this in-between, but I I wanted to use it as kind of an introduction of what's coming with one simple concept. I believe relationships matter. I got a series we're getting ready to do called just, it's just called Relationships Matter, and it's relationships as parents, Relationships as children, relationships as friends, relationships as spouses, relationships as boyfriend. Like relationships matter. I believe relationships will determine your environment. And I believe environment trumps just about everything. You say, well, Mickey, I believe Jesus trumps environment. Well, Jesus created environment, so I would agree with that. But I'll prove this point to you in a psychological way. Are you ready? I actually can cure any person's addiction. If you have an addiction and you'd like for me to help you, I have a 100% foolproof plan that every person that has ever done this has been cured. What it is is you drop them in the middle of Antarctica. And all of a sudden, guess what? They're cured because they ain't got nothing else, right? But that shows you the power of environment, it shows you the power of relationships. Like for a lot of people, the issue isn't what they're dealing with. The issue is they're not willing to change the environment and the relationships and the things that are in their life to get the results that they want. An addict wants to stay in Cleveland where all of his buddies may be but never wants to stop hanging out with them. Well, I can go ahead and tell you where that's gonna happen. I know people that have been in marriages that that they want to keep having relationships with people that they have betrayed their significant other with, and, well, we're just going to keep having a relationship and be friends. We're just going to set up some... You ain't going to be able to do that. Just like people that want to have a relationship and live a Christian life, but yet they don't want to ever spend time in God's Word or spend time with Jesus. See, relationships matter. It trumps every single thing. And again, that hit me the most one day. I literally was walking through the living room listening to Dr. Phil McGraw, who was on TV. And he made that statement about Antarctica. And I was like, well, that's, the, that's, like, like that's, that's true. So my question is, what are we surrounding ourselves with? Well, that's what we're going to hit for the next several weeks, several weeks being two to three weeks. But today, I want to give you a biblical account that I think will drive home some of the concepts of, number one, why do we have baptism? And number two, how important is our relationship to Christ and our relationship to this world? So if you have your Bibles, again, we're going to be in John chapter 18, and it's the story of Peter's denial. Now, I know all of you are like, oh, I heard this. He denied him three times, and then a rooster cried out. Like, I've already heard. I want to give you something that as I was studying, just kind of takes it to a whole new level for me, and hopefully it will for you as well. So let me kind of set this up for you. Before we get into the actual scripture in John chapter 18, what I want to do is set the stage so you'll know what's going on. We, we have 
we have Jesus. He's met with the disciples. He's instituted the Lord's Supper. In the process of the Lord's Supper, he's let one of them, let all the disciples know that one of them is going to betray him. And he kind of identifies Judas. He does this through the dipping of the bread and the wine. So Judas turns around and he runs out and leaves to go and get the people so he could betray Jesus. And this conversation has been kind of derived and he's looking at the different disciples and, and one of them steps up being Peter and says, well, I'll never de- deny you. I will never leave or forsake you. I'll never do anything. And he actually, and, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, well, actually on this very night, you'll deny me three times. And Peter's almost like, no, mm-mm, not gonna happen. And then they turn around and they leave there and they go out to the Mount of Olives and they're having a more conversation about this aspect of what does it mean to, to follow Jesus and how they would never, ever, ever forsake Jesus or leave him or not support him. And Jesus is trying to explain to them and he takes them to a garden because he's telling them that the hour is at hand and everything's fixing to take place. And he goes to this garden, he asks his disciples to be praying with him. And I'm giving you the real quick cliff notes, okay? And in the process, the disciples can't even stay awake. They keep falling asleep. And Jesus has literally pulled himself to the side and he's, he's in anguish. He's got sweat drops of blood is what scripture says. And about that time, here comes the, 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 the lynch mob, right? Here comes the people that are gonna betray him. And Judas goes up to Jesus and he's already told the people that the one that I kiss is the one that, that you need to capture. He's the Messiah, he's Jesus. And so Judas goes up and he kisses Jesus and so they go to seize him and, and Peter, you're like, oh, I'm never gonna, I will fight. He ends up cutting some dude's ear off. He's like, no, wow, and knocks the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, stop, picks up the guy's ear, heals it. And then this group is taking him and that's where we're picking up the story, all right? So they have Jesus and now they're gonna take him to, to this trial, to this accusation, to determine what has he been doing and what it is that he's going to end up being crucified for. And so that's where we're at in chapter 18, verse 12 is where I'm gonna start. And you won't see this on the, uh, on the screen, these first few verses, but I wanted you to see the relationship. In verse 12, it says, so the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, and the high, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expediting that one man would die for the people. And so this aspect of, of what's going on is, number one, I want you to realize this first relationship. You have Annas, who was the high priest for a long time, but he's now allowed his son Caiaphas to to start to come over. And so you have this relationship between a father and a son, and it's gonna taint the way that Annas is gonna talk about or, or what he's trying to do with Jesus. And, and this word that's used, I think we get it confused with the word expedite, which means to do something quickly. But the word that's used here is actually to do something immoral or unbecoming. And he's basically letting everybody know in this scripture that, you know what, this is John's account. And he's saying, you know what, they, they fixing to set him up. And so first thing I want you to realize is relationships matter. Here's a father, and because of what he believes, he's passing it on to his son, Caiaphas. And because of what Caiaphas believes, he's supporting his son no matter what. Real quick rabbit. As a parent, I don't do this a whole lot, but I'm gonna do it in the next few weeks. If I could give you one piece of advice, never support your kids so much that it leads you down the road of disobedience. Never support your kids so much 
that it leads you down the road of disobedience. That's what was going on right here. Like, have you ever, listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but every healthy parenting group has good, good cop, bad cop, right? And if you really get good at parenting, then you'll be able to swap those roles on a regular basis. Now, most men, they all, they just the good cop. You know, like, oh, daddy's home, daddy gets to play, and mama's bad cop. But if you get good at this relationship, you'll be able to kind of balance, and, it, and one person's always good cop, one person's bad cop, one, and you work together to parent. This is what's going on here, but Caiaphas, because of what he's believed, he's blinded his father to believing the same thing. Again, don't ever let the love for your children blind you to where you become disobedient and going away from what God's word says. But then we're gonna pick up the main story and what I'm here to talk about today. The very next verse. It said, so Simon Peter followed Jesus. So they're arresting Jesus. They're carrying him off to go see the council. And Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now, if you have a paper Bible, you can put in your notes right there, write in the other disciple, that's John. The person writing this scripture that is inspired by God. He, he refers to himself almost third person here. But this is John. One of the reasons why I wanted to study this account compared to some of the other accounts in the gospel, even though all of them are true, is in the synoptic gospels, it's different views, right, of the same account. Take a second just so I don't confuse anybody. We're in football, right? There's supposed to be a couple of games this afternoon and a game a couple of weeks from now, but, you know, who's going to ever watch those things? Uh, but it's one of those things that, me, I will. I will watch all of them, just so you'll know. Uh, but it's one of those things that, that as you're watching that, there's always going to be this time where they stop, right? And I've gotten tickled. Like, I'm a grown man, 48 years old, and I'm pretty sure I know what a catch is. Like, it ain't that hard to me. You know, what's a catch? You catch the ball. They'll start breaking down a play, seeing where his feet are, See if he controlled the ball. See if the ball had stopped moving. See if he controlled it through. I mean, like this whole thing. Did he complete the catch? Did he control it through the field? Did he? And I'm sitting there going, did he catch? He just, he caught the ball. Like he got up and held the ball. That's a catch. And there's so many times where I'm like, dude, that's a catch. Why are you stopping this and making this game too long? Trying to, and they got all these different angles. And lo and behold, guess what? It wasn't a catch. And I was like, man, I'd have never realized that if it wasn't for that one angle. Those different angles is the way I describe the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the same play being described in many different angles so that we don't miss it. We're gonna look at John's account because he's writing from being there. So let's go back into it. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did John. I'm gonna say John's name. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Again, relationships matter, right? Do you know how they ended up getting into this courtyard? It's because John was known by the high priest. Who was the high priest? Caiaphas. How did they know a lot of the things that were going to go on? Because of the relationship between John and Caiaphas. And because of this relationship, not only does John get in, but John goes and talks to the gatekeeper, talks to the young lady at the gate and says, hey, let my buddy in too. If you've ever been to any high school event, you've seen this happen, right? I get calls every ball game, every basketball. Hey, Mickey, you going to the game? Yes, I go to all of them. I love supporting our students. Uh, can you open that back gate? And I'm like, 
you got five dollars? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what do you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I, I don't know if you ever thought of it, you know, that, that's called stealing. I mean, just so you know, that's called, you know, I, I, but it's one of those things you, you're just like, okay, well, it's relationships, right? John knows the high priest, so he gets inside. Peter is one of the disciples who know John. So John goes and talks to the lady at the door and says, hey, let this guy in. Picks up the story. And I'm gonna read what I just told you. Was known to the high priest. He entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, that's John, who was known that, to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of these men's, this, this man's disciple, are you? And he said, I am not. That's the first denial. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. So that's just like a backdrop. That's just the backdrop to the beginning. Number one, we had the first denial. Like, like John, because of his relationships, goes and gets Peter in. And as he's going in, the lady at the door says, hey, 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 you, you're not one of these man's disciples, are you? And he's like, no, 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 not me. Nope, you got me confused with somebody else. And then he goes to this fire and standing around. Now, let me give you a little bit of an understanding of the way this would be set up. You would be in what's called the outer court. And so you would be in an outside uh, barricaded type area. If you've ever been to uh, somebody's house that has a garden in the back that has walls around it or like a pool, and maybe they have a pool and a garden around it and it's fenced in, that would kind of be like what the outer court would be like. This would be very visible to not only be there, but the reason why they would wanna be hanging out there is because they could also observe and watch and see what was going on with Jesus in the inner court. They probably would have been positioned above them in this area where this, where this disagreement's going on. If you've ever been in a situation where you were on the outside looking in, but you were close enough to hear what was going on, that's what's going on in this situation. And then the part that jumped off the page was John's account because, because John was one of the disciples that was there. So his account's a little bit different as far as his view because he's coming from a perspective of somebody that was actually a part of the situation. And listen to what he says. He would have been standing right there with Jesus, with the high priest, with that council, listening to them. And listen to what he reports as Jesus saying. In verse 19, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world and have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Here's the key. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. So they have gotten this, this mob together. They're trying to accuse Jesus of something as, as basically blaspheming, as being somebody that's tearing down the, the Jewish church. Caiaphas has kind of already made it known that, hey, word's getting out about Jesus. He's casting out demons. He's doing these things in the temple. He kind of, Caiaphas was Winston Churchill before Winston Churchill was ever born. Caiaphas' whole concept was, you know what? One may have to die for the many. And that was kind of his approach. He was worried that if Jesus, if they didn't calm Jesus down, then the Roman government was gonna get involved because it was gonna overthrow that area. 
And so Caiaphas is already arranged in his heart that we've got to do something to get rid of him. This one man needs to die. So they're trying to trap him. And in the process of trapping him, Jesus says, listen, why are you asking me what I'm teaching? I've been open and honest the whole time. I've been in synagogues all around this area. You can talk to any Jew, and they can tell you the things that I'm teaching. You can talk to my disciples, and they will tell you what I've been teaching. Ask them what I've been teaching, and then you can make up your own mind. Well, one gentleman hears this, and his response smacks Jesus. Next verse, I'll read it. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, is that how you should answer the high priest? Basically, it's like he took it almost as sarcasm. Like the, the high priest was a very, like, like he was extremely, extremely powerful in that day and time. Had the ability to dictate what would go on as far as death and life and rules and regulations and law. And it was required to be respectful. He was the one person that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and represent the whole Jewish people in the temple. So th- this was the one man that had a connection with the Lord. And he says, is that any way to talk to him? And listen to how Jesus responds. This is what really got me. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I have said is right, why do you strike me? And here's where the moment hit me. 2,000 and something years later, I truly believe that there are still people trying to figure out who Jesus is, if what he said in the temple is true, is if, if his Bible says what it says and means what it means, and if it truly is the truth. And the way that they're trying to figure that out is not through questioning Jesus through prayers and thoughts, but they're literally looking at his disciples and his followers and they're saying, let me look at their life and see if it's real. Like this whole concept that Jesus was talking about when he was going to be put on trial, he was literally looking at them and they're they're going through all this stuff and he's like, look, why are you asking me these questions? And he puts it on his disciples He literally is saying, listen, if if you want to know what I believe, if you want to know if what I'm saying is true, if you're wanting to know if I am who I say that I am, then don't look at it based on what I say. Look on it based on how they live and how they talk about it. Now, if we put that in in the concept, he's telling them to look at the disciples to determine whether or not he is who he is And one of his main disciples is right outside in the courtyard, and you know what he's doing? I don't know that guy. Like, it takes the denial to a whole other level. He's starting to realize that that this denial that Peter was doing, he's not only just denying Christ in his personal life, but he's also becoming a roadblock for everybody else to know who Jesus really is. Now, we look at that with Peter, and we're like, man, that gum at Peter. Like, oh, Peter, you know, he was the guy that walked on water and then he sank. You know, he was the one that that cut off this guy's ear. He was the one that that Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. You know, I mean, he just, he just, like, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut. You you do those little different, (laughs) you do those different little personality tests and they give you different, we actually do this in growth track. 
It'll tell you kind of who you're like. I'll give you two guesses who I end up being like. Yep, I'm Peter. Yeah, I'm the one that won't keep his mouth shut, that says stuff. I'm like, oh, man, you know. You're like, if you don't believe me, you should have played softball with me one time, you know. I mean, it's one of those things It's like, you, you just sometimes you just can't help it, right? I'm just, well, I could. I'm just not very good at it. That's Peter. And listen to me. I want us to really look in to our own lives and say 2,000 and something years later, are we still denying him? Unintentionally by the way we live our lives, for the way that we answer questions and the things that we do, I wonder if people are still not believing Jesus is who he says that he is, not because of a lack of his word, but because of a lack of a life that represents his word. I think that all of these years later, I truly believe the most reason why most people have never accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior or the reason why most people are not active in church is because very simply, they've never seen anything that they thought was worth chasing. It goes back to the relationships, right? In fact, let me finish up the story and then we're gonna move on to a different concept. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are also not one of his disciples, are you? So they're, they're overhearing this conversation. And Jesus is telling them, if you wanna know what I said is right or wrong, then go ask one of my disciples. So what are they doing? They're trying to find one of his disciples. They're doing exactly what Jesus is telling them to do. So they say, hey, are you one of his disciples? They weren't saying that to indict Peter. They were saying that because they were looking for answers. They wanted to know, is what he's saying the truth? And Peter says, nope, nope, not me. I am not. Verse 26, then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Again, here goes those relationships, right? Like, like a relative just got his ear cut off only a few hours ago. And they don't have cell phones. But word's already out about what's going on. And this relative looks at him and says, hey, did I not see you in the garden with him? He's basically saying, aren't you the one that cut my cousin's ear off? My brother's, I don't know what, he just says relative. I don't know what he was to him. But they're looking for answers. But the problem is, is that what Peter thought they were doing was trying to indict him. I think a lot of people struggle with publicly declaring their faith because they think that people are out to get them and they don't realize they're not out to get them. They're actually just looking for answers. People want to know what a follower of Jesus looks like. And a lot of times people are asking different people because they're like, I just want to know what's, what somebody, like, who is that? Because the biggest thing I deal with, I never forget in student ministry, the biggest thing that I dealt with in student ministry, the hardest thing to overcome, and it's really not changed that much in five years, but the hardest thing to deal with in student ministry was when you would, when you would do student ministry and you would have students show up and, and then you'd finally get a student that's kind of on the fringe come and, and get involved and they show up and they realize when they show up that all the people that they're doing the wrong thing with are all the people in the student ministry. And there's no difference. 
In fact, I've had students and I've had adults in the last five years that say, why do I need Jesus? My life like, is just like their life. There's no difference. You say, what's the point today? It's very simple. I believe relationships matter. And I think the first relationship that you gotta realize that changes lives are the ones that you're not even aware of. Can I tell you how many times I've had different people come up to me and they go, hey, Pastor Mickey, and I'm looking like, hey, how are you? They're like, I'm doing good. And usually they'll catch me. They say, you don't know who I am, do you? And I'm like, I don't have a clue. I have no clue. Well, my cousin's aunt's uncle, who was third removed, son, you baptized six years ago, and I so happened to be there, and my name's Sheila. And I'm like, oh, okay. Good to meet you, Sheila. There are people that are watching you every day that you have no idea. And I believe those relationships matter more than the intimate ones. Because they're looking to see something. They're looking to see something that's different. They're looking to see something just as Jesus was saying in this, in this denial. They're looking to see something that's gonna prove that that he is who he says that he is, and he does the things that he does. You say, well, Mickey, then, then I'm out because I'm not perfect. Whoa, nobody asks you to be perfect. I don't, ask, I don't ask you to live to be perfect. I just ask you to live forgiven. Like, like don't, like, like nobody's asking you to be perfect. I just want you to make sure that you live like you're forgiven. I don't, I don't ask you to try to go out here and, and be the savior to the world. I just need you to act like somebody that has received and become accepted of Jesus and has a savior for the world. And I believe all these years later, it's still the biggest relationship that God uses to grow his church and to grow his kingdom. In fact, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Jesus commanded people to do a few things. And one of the things that he commanded people to do, and he actually did it himself, was a thing called baptism. And you know, baptism is literally just a public declaration of something that's already happened on the inside. It's just you identifying that you know what? Jesus is who he says that he is, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Like, I get, I get so enthralled with how difficult we try to make it sometimes. You know, I grew up in Southern Baptist life. Nothing against Southern Baptist life. I, I grew up, I went to Union, then went to Southwestern. I was, I was born in Baptist Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. Like, I'm Southern fried Southern Baptist. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I get Southern Baptist, all right? But I can remember so many times, boy, I, I was in some different churches serving, and I, people would spend years trying to figure out if a decision they made when they were five was real or not. Because you once saved, always saved. But unfortunately, I knew a lot of people that missed a relationship with Jesus trying to figure out if they had one. And I think what Jesus is telling us, just like with Peter, is right now, would you deny me or would you confess me? It's like people are looking 
to his disciples to show that he is who he says that he is. You say, well, how, 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 do, how, how do I know? The ones in the room know exactly who they are. Because right now you're going, oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> like, I wasn't planning on this. Like, right now you got a little bit of sweat. <laughs> you're praying I shut up. And right now, I want to ask you a simple question. Would you confess him or deny him? Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.